started. Our text this evening we're going to look at is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. And it's going to introduce one of our vocabulary words tonight, which is logos. And our other Greek word, which is going to be lego. And you're going to be getting introduced a little bit to some of the language. And so I'm going to read just a little bit. Uh, in the Greek, and then you'll be able to have, you have your own translation there in the English, and, and it'll all be good. So, in arene, hain, ha laagas, kai, ha laagas, hain pras tanthaan, kai thaas, hain, ha laagas. That is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God was the Word. And the point of all of this passage here is it shows a very important passage. And that, as we talked about last week, how do words get their meaning? Do you all remember? How does a word get its meaning? Do you just look back at how it was used in history, or is there something even more pronounced? How does the word acquire its meaning? Remember we talked about the word light and all the different meanings that light can have? How does a word have its meaning? In context, in context, the word of God here is not simply the spoken word. It's much more than that. Who is the reference? Who is the reference? Christ, right? Christ. And the gospel according to John was written to show what? Does anybody know that? It's in John chapter 20. What was the point of the gospel according to John? It was to show that Jesus indeed was fully God. It was the deity of Christ. It was unlike the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Mark being believed to be the first one, and was actually written as a it was actually written as a classic drama. That is, when the gospel according to John Mark, which was probably Peter's account of the gospel, but John John Mark was the much more learned of the two, so he did a lot of the penning. And if you read the gospel according to Mark through the eyes of Peter, you'll see it's not very kind to Peter because Peter really noticed his flaws. Look particularly at the betrayal. But as you look at those gospels and narratives, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those particular gospels are very much alike. You'll see similar stories. You'll see similar conclusions. But John is very, very different And John also uses some very different vocabulary. One of the words he likes to use often is the word light, but he also likes to use the word word in reference to Christ because he's trying to show here at the very beginning that Christ, when he came, was fully God. It wasn't a... We we within, as fundamentalists within the faith... We encroach upon the notion of polytheism because we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as if somehow they're separate gods. And John was very careful in the very beginning to say that in the beginning was the Word. So at the beginning of all beginnings, and even though there is such such thing, but our minds can only comprehend the beginning. So before all things was Christ. He wasn't born. And some people will argue that, and that was a big problem in the early church. They viewed Jesus as having a beginning like you and me. He didn't. He didn't have a beginning like that. He might have been birthed in this world, but he had always existed. He is the great I am. But this passage here in the, in the Greek really brings that out. It's called, within the Greek, it's used as equitable conclusion In the beginning was God, and it literally says, God, the word, is, equals God. And so, what you have here is Christ equals God. Not God equals equals the word. That's very different, and we don't have time this evening to unpack that. We will unpack that in the future, because that is a very, very significant idea. However, what I want you to think about tonight is, The word equals God. And so Jesus was put on the same level of God. 
Because the deity of Christ in the early church always came under attack, and he's still under attack today. He's still under attack. So make no mistake, the word equals God. And it's not, it's not, it's not polytheism. We don't have three gods. There is one God. Three natures, one God. And this passage really brings that out. And that speaks to what we talked about. We're going to talk about. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Go ahead. How did God communicate with Adam and Eve? Okay, now you're going to get into a theological. I want to be careful, Charles. I don't go too random because we'll get away from the Greek piece, piece of it. But it just says he walked with them in the cool of the, of the day. And so there was a relationship. Keep, keep in mind, sin had not yet become the barrier. Okay? So sin had yet come into the world. So God was able to freely move within humanity. Sin came in and created a barrier. You have the blood sacrifice in the Old Testament, but again, the word atonement in the Old Testament is an overlooking, not a looking through. In the New Testament in the Greek, now with the blood of Jesus, God can look straight through the sin because what he sees is us, and he sees us as being pure, not because of our righteousness, because of his righteousness. Okay, So this is a very important passage. I'm bringing this piece up because of the piece of Logos, the word, and we're going to get into how to define that. But remember, all words in the Greek gain their meaning based on the context. So, so important. And this is a very good illustration of how that plays out. This is not just any old word. This is the word representing the second person of the triune Godhead, Jesus Christ. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same is in the beginning with God. And so we see an equation here, an equation. And the word beginning here, I have to keep in mind, is not the beginning. And again, words gain their context. How can God tell us about something that is beyond your mind and my mind? He can't. So the word beginning doesn't necessarily denote some type of outset. It's just the beginning of all things because you and I can't comprehend that. Everything we know has a start and has some kind of end, and yet God always is. That's very hard to comprehend. But at the very beginning, John says, the word of God, he wasn't born. He's always from the start. God, always God, very important Okay, I can say, I could say this. Let's use the word light again. The word light, L-I-G-H-T. I could say, wow, this marker is very light. Or I could say, look at the light hanging from the ceiling. I use the same word there, but those are very different ideas. One, I'm talking about the weight of something. One, I'm talking about an object that casts illumination. Very different ideas, same word. The, the meaning of the word light, L-I-G-H-T, gets its meaning based on how I use it with other words around it. That's the context. So the word, in this case, word, W-O-R-D, capitalized for our purposes in English, is referring to the Messiah. It's not meaning just any old word. It means the word, which is Christ. And that's how you gain, you have to look at context to gain the meaning. Very important. And we'll see that in all of our passages. Okay. What we want to do now is we're going to shift, and it's about that time. We want to look at our alphabet again. And so I'm not going to ask for hands at this moment, but I do trust that you all took the time to put together your little ring, your 24 letters. You wrote out the capital letter the lowercase letter, and on the back you wrote down the word itself, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and so on. We're going to look at those words here again, and then I want you to spend a little time. You're going to work in groups of two or three, and you're just going to simply talk them out again. I want you to hear, remember, how do we remember? Through the lips and the fingertips, and that's how we learn. Very important. That doesn't change. We've known this for since people have been walking the planet. 
you learn through the lips and the fingertips. Because when you say it, you both say it and you hear it. And when I write it, I also see it. And so it gets into my body. It gets into my brain. And that's what we want to do. So I think Miss Becky was so good enough to um, go ahead and put us some of our words here. And so this is really handy. And so you should see this. And you'll see the capital alpha, the uppercase and the lowercase. And then, of course, the word itself. And just in case you're not sure how to sound it out, you'll see the uh, transliteration. That is how you would say it in simple English, uh, just making it phonetic. And so we have alpha. And you guys go ahead and say it. What do we have next? Beta. Good. Gamma. Delta. That's right. Epsilon. Epsilon. Which sounds like eh. Zeta. Zeta. Eta. We're going to stop there just for a second. Eta. This is a very, very common letter in the Greek. It is a vowel. And you will see it very, very often. Uh, one of the most common letters in the entire Greek alphabet with the, used within words. Very important you get that particular letter down. Remember, in the Greek, remember when they, just reviewing here, when they wrote the manuscripts, what case of letter did they write it in? Upper or lower case? Lower. Lower, lower, lower. Did they use punctuation? No, no punctuation. Does the word order really matter in the Greek? No, causes us all kinds of fits. That's right. And so, it, I mean, it makes it very difficult because then you're sitting there looking at a, just a whole string of, of words and there's no p- punctuation, there's no case. And so it makes it really challenging. But the eta is a very important letter because it's used in many of the words as well as in many of the uh, prepositions. Okay? Theta. Excellent. Theta. Iota, and that sounds like eh, eh, like in, eh, okay? Kappa. I thought it was pretty clever, Becky, you put the cap in there. Kappa. That was, that was good. Lambda, mm-hmm. Mu, yes, mu. Nu, uh-huh. And you'll see the new, if you go back to that one, you'll see the new a lot. And when you first read the Greek, you're going to see what looks like a V. And it's not a V. It sounds like a N. And so you're going to have to get used to that a little bit. Because some of these letters, because they do approximate some of our letters in our English alphabet, but they have very different sounds. So that's the new. Zai. That's right. Zai. Omicron. I'm going to pause here again. Omicron. Omicron is a very important letter. Let me explain to you why. At least how we sound it out. There's the word logos, and that's going to be one of our one of our particular words tonight. And you'll notice it has omicron and omicron. And that's important because we have a habit of wanting to make that O sound like it's long. As in omega, the O. So we'll say logos instead of logos. But it's not, an, it's not an omega, it's an omicron. And as a result, it's a logos, logos. And that'll be hard, particularly if you've heard others say that particular word. And you can hear it in all different sectors. It's very common. And that, that, that's one of the things you'll have to unlearn some pieces because you just heard things and you don't know any different. You see, you just repeat it. You're thinking, that sounds good. And so that's how we roll. But this is, that's, that's the Omicron. And the Omicron is another very, very common vowel in the Greek language. Next letter, please. Pi. Now, this one's not too hard. And you will usually see the pi sign if you know anything about math. 3.14 repeating. So, row. This is another one. You're going to want to call that a P, and it's not a P. It's an R sound. R, like in row. R, it's, it's the R sound. Sigma. And this is when you see, I'll, I'll slide up for this one. The capital S looks like the summation sign, or the capital sigma, which we make it sound like an S, is, the, is a summation sign. Then it has the two lowercase s's. 
The one that's to the left is when you'll see that sigma when the letter is in the middle or somewhere other than the end of a word. That's why when you saw me write logos, I used the S or the sigma to the far right. It has the S sound because that is the sigma that is used when the letter, the sigma is at the very end of a word, which is very common usage in the Greek language. You'll see it both ways, but the most common. Tau, tau. Upsilon, and that does sound like a U. And even though it looks a little bit, as far as the capital, it looks like a Y, it, is, it does sound like it has with the lowercase. It's an upsilon or like a U sound. Phi, that's right, phi. And that does sound like an F. Chi, that's right, chi. It does have that hard K sound, chi. And it will sound just like that. It'll have It'll be pretty pronounced. It's different than kappa, which is more k, k. This will be k, k. It's a, it's a more harsh sound. Psi, psi. And that one is, again, it sounds like we're with lips, with P-S. Ps, ps. And so psi, psi. Okay? And omega, a lot of folks recognize this one. Um, because you see the alpha and the omega, and it's a lot of, a lot of fraternities and sororities, they'll have that um, particular sign in omega, very common, and that's tied with the beginning and, of course, the end. And so omega, and that's a hard O. And that one will also be a frequent vowel, because in almost, in most vowel, in most verbs, excuse me, in most verbs, the last letter will be a lowercase omega, as in lego, which is I say, I speak, I, annou- I announce, I declare. And that is lego. And so again, you'll see that omega at the end very, very commonly. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Kai? Mm-hmm. It's Kai. It's Kai. Mm-hmm. It's Kai. It's almost like kite. It has that real hard Kai. Kai. That's Wenham. Wenham is an Englishman, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not, uh, it's okay. I'm giving you something so I don't give you nothing. Okay? I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm giving you something so I don't give you nothing. So I give you, so you have something versus nothing. But I'm going to help you along. This here is very helpful, and what I would like you to do, what Becky's put out, I don't know if she could make that available in some capacity you all could access or download, but that'll really help you. That'll really help you. And that's a very good question, ma'am. So that's the alphabet. What I'd like you to do is take a couple minutes with your, uh, with your partners there. If you have your little flashcards, um, one of you can run through it, and just take the time, one more time, to go through. I'm going to give you three minutes, so it's not a lot of time. That's... Eight letters per minute, but run through those one more time, and then we're going to start back up again. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. So work. You're going to flashcards. You have your little ring. Alpha, beta, gamma. Why don't you start working through those again? Just look at them. Very important. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. If you need cards, we have cards at the front. And for those, we, we might, um, Pam, if Pam's here, yes, Pam, we might need some more cards, here are pens, that's all good, and we're going to need a few more cards, I think we're okay with pens, probably some uh, cards, you can share some? We also have hole punches, and we have your, do you need one? There you go, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You will need 24.
You have two more minutes. Okay, you have one more minute, one more minute. They can make more, they can make more. When she comes back, if you'll let her know, maybe just leave that there for a second. Um, just, no, I don't believe so, but just let her know we want more made. We'll let her know, perfect. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and get started again. These cards will become your friend. It's an interesting piece, and I shared a little bit this last week, but I'll share it again. There's. There's a real reason why you're writing this out. Many of you have some older Bibles. I have one of the Bibles in my home. It uh, was used by my family back in 1840s. And I'm very careful because, I mean, it's, it's very, very old. But it has some writings in it by my ancestors. And, uh, and it's just very fascinating to read their thoughts. But you know how when you write in your Bible, and you might wait a year or two, and you come back to that, and it's like when you wrote that there, it's like you're taken back in time. And you almost even remember the emotion that was ex- applied when you wrote those thoughts. And that's why I have you writing on these cards. Because as you write on the card, there is a, there, there's just the way the brain works. There's a memory attached, and it will help you really retain it. So you could you go out and buy flashcards, but the reality is we know if you make your own, you're more apt to remember. And that's why I have you go through a little bit of that um, that effort, because it, again, it's going through the, the fingertips. Now, why do we learn the alphabet? Does anybody remember why we talked about it last week? Why do we learn the alphabet? What's the value? What's the end? What's the end value? There, there's a significant value to this. Why the alphabet? Because I can honestly teach you without having to spend so much time on the order of the alphabet. Because when you use one of these Greek helps, which many of you will use later on, it's a dictionary. And if you didn't learn the alphabet in English, and I said, okay, here's the word, you know, foot, and you have no idea where the letter F is in the alphabet, you can have a hard time. And then you finally find the letter F, and you're like, okay, the second letter is O. I have no idea where that is. So then you're scouring, you know, and you could spend a long time. And maybe when you were in grade school, like when I was, and I didn't know the alphabet very well, it was pretty frustrating. It took a long time to look up certain words. Now you're like, you know, you just tear it up. You're all good. Some of you, it's like reading the Bible. I say, I say, you know, Micah, and you're like, okay, where is that? <laughs> Can you give me the page number? You might be flipping to the concordance or the table of contents or the index to try to go find Micah because maybe you didn't, you didn't learn the order. And that, it's the same process here. It's learning the order of the letters so when you finish, you'll be able to go back and look the words up. Very, very important. That's why we learn it. Okay, so that's the alphabet. You'll work on that again. We'll work on the alphabet probably 
Every Wednesday from now, at least the next three or four weeks, we'll actually continue to review it. You'll get sick of it, but you'll be glad when it's done. You'll thank me and you'll say, thank you. I didn't like it, but thank you. Thank you. So, because I was there too. And I said, I don't like it. But then I said, thank you. So it's nothing, uh, nothing new about that. We're going to look a little bit at now sentence or language design. And so this will be in your, your handouts here that I gave to you. If you do not have one, I, we can have um, Becky make some, excuse me, Pam make some more. But these are in your handouts, and it's page 1 through 20 are the handouts. We'll be using this particular handout at least uh, for the next two to three more weeks. And this evening, I'm going to speak both in broad terms, and I'm going I'm to drill down. When I drill down on something, if you don't understand it, don't stress. I'm going to give you the big idea, then the drill down. So some of you will love the drilling down. Others will be like, yeah, whatever. And so I, I understand that. But you do need to hear this because this is part of how we're going to be handling the language. So first off, when we think about any, any sentence in English, because remember, the Greek is very different. Word order does not matter. Does not matter. It will bounce words all over the place. Does not matter. Punctuation did not exist. So the scholars had to put a lot of energy into identifying punctuation. But when we translate it into our language, word order does matter. I say, the boy hit the ball. It's very important I say the boy hit the ball. Because if I say, um, the ball hit the boy, it's a very different meaning, isn't it? Isn't it? The, boy, the ball hit the boy. I'm thinking, oh, the kid just got plunked, you know? <laughs> Versus the boy, the boy smacked the ball. You know, very different notion here. So word order in our language, very important. And so... In our language, we have what's, um, and for some of you, it's going to be like, okay, this is old hat. That's all right. Just bear with me for the next five or six minutes. Uh, we have a subject of a, of, a, of a sentence. That's, in this case, the boy hit the ball. What's the subject? The boy, right? It's the one who does the action. That's the boy in this case. So the boy's the subject. And then what did the boy do? He, he hit something. He hit, right? So the boy hit. And we'll use that language as the predicate. Now, I'm saying these because when you look in some of your Greek helps, they will use this language, and if you've not heard it or you can't recall it back from, I mean, really, from years ago, we were all in grade school, it, it, it can be really intimidating, like, I have no idea what they're saying there. So that's why I'm going over it. So we have the predicate, the boy hit. And then we have what's the direct object. What did the boy hit? The ball. And so we'll use the language, the accusative. And you can think of it this way. The accusation. What's being accused of receiving the action? The ball is the one receiving the action. It's getting accused, all right. It's getting smacked. So the boy did the hitting. The ball did the receiving of the action, and so it's accused. So we have subject, verb, direct object. Then we can have an indirect object. Example of that would be the boy hit the ball over the fence. Over the fence would be the indirect it's not tied to the, what action occurred, but it explains what happened to the poor old ball. The ball landed over the fence. So we'll be using that. Now, again, don't stress. It's a little bit down in the weeds, but it is important that you understand subject and predicate and general sentence structure. There are other words, and this will be in your handout, and you can review these. If you're really good with, with what pronouns are and adjectives and verbs and adverbs, you don't need to review this. But I recommend you go ahead and just look it over. Know what a conjunction is. That's that word like and, or, but. It combines many times two ideas and joins them together. And if it's an and, it's showing some level of, of equity or some level of um, favorable joining. If it's but, that means there's something not so good. You know, we, we say that, yeah, but. da 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 but, and that usually when we heard the but, we're cringe, you know, because we know it's not going to be how we just heard something. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to take a very different direction. So those are all conjunctions. The article is important, and I'm going to pause here for a moment. This is very important. In English, we have, I'm going to erase these for a moment. Our article 
And articles are only placed on nouns. We have what's called the definite article, and we have an indefinite article. And when you look up a Greek word, a noun, it will always show you the definite article. Always. Always. And that's why I'm going to spend a little time here. In our language, the definite article is the word the. The indefinite article is the word either a or an. If I say to you, the boy hit a ball over the fence, I'm saying it's any old ball. But if I say the boy hit the ball over the fence, I'm talking a very specific ball. If I say, someone's talking to me about an individual, and I say, oh, that man, or the man just walked out of the room. The man did. I'm talking about a specific man, not just any man, but a specific man. If I say a man walked out of the room, I'm talking about it could just be anybody. And that's the difference between the definite article and indefinite. And in Greek, these are extremely, extremely important. Extremely important. Because when, the, when Jesus is speaking, when the apostles are speaking, there will be times where they're talking about something very, very specific. And they will use that definite article. And sometimes that definite article in the Greek language will be displaced from its parent noun in a, in a different location because the writer is making a very important point. We'll get into that. It'll be about a couple of months. We'll get into some of those examples. Very important. But that definite article will play a big role. So if you start seeing the idea of the, or, or you don't see an article in front of the noun, it means it could just be anything. And that also has significance. Let me get a case in point, and then we'll move on to the next idea. There is, in the New Testament, a passage which speaks about the rapture of the church. And it speaks about the removal of the believers. And in that passage, it has a definite article and there's no noun. Very unusual construction. It just says, when the is removed. Now, you can only imagine what scholars and theologians do with that. Now, this is what's really interesting. The word the has a gender. That is, we can have a definite article, the... In our language, it's just the, the. I went to the church. I went to the car. See, if you usually say, you say, yeah, I went to either my car, I went to the car. You don't usually say, I went to a car. That could be any old car, but you went to the car. You're specifying a specific car. In Greek, there's a gender attached because every, na- every noun is either masculine, feminine, or neuter. And some of you who study other languages will be familiar with that notion. We don't do that in the English. We just have a noun. Now, the reason that's significant is because in the, referring to in this passage, it's a masculine, masculine definite article. In many of our Bibles, we interpret it as the church. But there's a challenge with that because ecclesia, the Greek word for church, is feminine. The writer didn't use a feminine definite article. The word hey, he used ha. Very different definite article. No mistake. No mistake. All the manuscripts carry that same idea. So that puts us, as people who are trying to interpret scripture, at a really pretty difficult disadvantage. What is the writer saying? What is the writer saying? When the is removed. Well, it's a definite article, it is masculine, but there's a whole lot of masculine words out there. So some have argued it's the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a masculine noun. Spirit is the, the Spirit is, but the word church is feminine. However, many of our texts indicate it as the church. So I'm only throwing that out there to show you that in the Greek, this definite article and indefinite article have, and this is just one example of thousands, have a huge role to play. 
So you'll hear more about this in the subsequent weeks when we're talking about our nouns. And one of the nouns we'll talk about tonight, which is logos, is a masculine noun. It's ha laagos. It's a masculine noun. Masculine. So when it says the word, that's why I said ha laagos when I read to you there in, in John. Because it's the word, not a word, any old word, it's the word. A very specific word, very definitive word. And that is important. So that's the article. Okay, we'll get on to something a little lighter so that I'm not burning too many brain cells tonight. <laughs> I heard that little thank you. <laughs> you. You have to keep in mind, when I, when I went over this thinking what we're going to cover tonight, it was much more substantial, and I've teased it way back, way back. So I do want you to look at nouns and pronouns on pages 4 and 5. I do want you to understand just a little bit about those. The, the indefinite pronouns are rather important. Again, you see like it's on top, top of page five, anyone, someone, something. You see how that's indefinite? It could just be anyone. It's not saying a specific person, just anyone. Those are important to understand because the writers use those frequently. Um, let me jump to verbs just a little bit. Verbs, of course, are all about action. And when we think about, I think that's how far I went, I did. When we think about verbs, in the Greek, they do not have, do not have um, all the same kind of tenses we have. They have some tenses, tenses that we do not have. One of them is the aorist. We'll get to the aorist later. You might say, why do you bring up these things and say we'll get to that later? Because memory is fragile and you have to hear it many, many, many times. Particularly ideas and thoughts that, are, that you've not heard before. If I only mention it for five minutes on one week, you're not going to remember. So you're going to hear it again and again. The aorist... And like some others in the Greek language, some of those verbs have meanings that we have nothing like in English. Nothing. And that causes a lot of duress because now we're trying to translate something into a language which our language does not support what the parent language had. And so again, we are befuddled because now we take, we as believers, read the scripture and we apply so much emphasis on the words that we're reading that sometimes we can place in an emphasis that actually is not appropriate because the, the writers who interpreted it had to take some freedoms because it was not a clean translation. It's not a word for word. Just FYI, the cleanest translation we have right now in Scripture today is the NASB, New American Standard Bible. But just because it's as close of a translation as possible does not mean it's the best translation. Because remember, words gain their meaning by what? Context. And that is extremely important to remember. Context, context, context. So that's going to be one of the great values you're going to have when you come out of this class. You'll be able to handle that text a little better. So... Verbs, very important, and verbs do not carry a gender, and verbs normally end in the letter omega. Sometimes it's epsilon omega, and sometimes it's just the omega, so it'll have that O sound at the end. Okay, we are now ready for something far more easy, far more, I don't want to say easy, but something that I think you're going to find very applicable. We're going to look at... And I, I think, do we have this up here? Those Good, great. We're going to do our vocabulary for the night. Every day we will have vocabulary from here on out. Oh, no, vocabulary. Vocabulary is going to be enjoyable. It will allow you to start saying, I know something. I, I know some words. Tonight we're going to start with just two. In the future, we're going to look at normally six or eight, and you're going to start to build your vocabulary. Again, we'll go over it again and again and again and again, not so you have it memorized, but so you have a comfort of familiarity and you feel like you're able to do something with that. Okay, if you could flip through that. Here we go. And there's the ha. Ha. And that is, and it's hard for me to get this in the, 
in our font today, and this is how it actually looks. There's the Omicron, and it looks like a backwards little C atop of it. And that sounds like an H. So you have ha, ha, and that's ha la'agas, which is the word. In this case, you can see some of the many trends, some of the many renderings of the word. And I gave you there the New Testament frequency. It occurs in the New Testament 330 times. And many of those times happen in the gospel according to John. It means word, statement, message, account, subject. Many different, and there's the capital word. Again, it should have been a smaller case word in one of them. And then it is a noun. It's masculine and it's singular. And you're going to see that on all the nouns we have to discuss. Is it masculine, feminine, or neuter? It's very important. And is it singular or is it plural? When it's plural, it'll have a very different ending. Very different ending. It might be logoi, which is a very different type of ending, or logais. And, and, but we'll get to that again a little bit later. But that ending will change. So when you see logos, that's how you will find it in a dictionary. And we use that term in the Greek is a lexicon. You'll look up in a lexicon. And a very classic lexicon is here by Bauer and Danker. And very common one. Um, you can get these also um, electronically. They, they are a little pricey. I'm thinking this is about $200. So they're, they're not, they're not, yeah, they're, they're, there's a little cost to it. Uh, no joke on that. But you can pick one of those up. But that's how you'll look it up in the lexicon. This is how you look up that word. And then it will tell you in the lexicon what the meaning of that word is in its context on every passage it shows up in the New Testament. So if I pull up this particular Bible, if I pull out this particular lexicon... And I look up the word lagos. I can look it up here. It begins on this page. And this you can see it's very small print. So please don't stress by that. But very small print. And here's lagos. It goes all the way through here. It covers all of this page. And then it spills all the way over to the top of this page. That's one word. You look up the word word in English, you know, dictionary like Webster, you're going to get a little blip. You look it up in this guy, you're going to get a lot more. It's going to show every usage of that word, and it's going to show how it was used in context in that passage. And these folks, believe me when I say this, these folks gave their lives to learn this stuff. I mean, that was, some of these guys, when I say they're geeks, they were real geeks in the Greek. I mean, seriously, geeks. And... Uh, they, they, were, they were out there in a good way. And we need those folks. We need those folks. You may not see them very much, and they may not be very appropriate in public, but we need those folks. And so I might want to stricken that off of the tape. <laughs> I might get a little heat on that one. So there is, there's your first. This is your first noun. And what you're going to do tonight in the next few minutes, you're going to get a new ring. Everyone's going to get a new ring. You're going to take one of the index cards, and you're going to write down the word nouns, because you're going to get many nouns. And then you're going to take another index card, and you're going to write down ha la agas on this side. And on the back, you're going to write down all the different words that can be applied to it. And that's going to be how you're going to start to build your vocabulary. I'm going to give you primarily words that are used very, very often in the New Testament, because I want you to see words that you're most likely to come across. Okay, then our next word is a verb. This one, you're going to take another card, and you're going to write down verbs, and then you're going to take another card, and you're going to put down Lego. You guys say that? Lego. Lego. It's like Lego, my ego. Lego. And this is I say, speak, tell, mean, ask, answer, declare, call, name. This are some pretty different verbs, by the way. So, you know, if I gave you and just said, here's Lego, and you just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and put one of those words, and you get some pretty different meanings of sentences there. But again, how does the word get its meaning? Context. And that's what you see going on here. This word occurs 2,354 times in the New Testament. It occurs a few times. And there are many conjugates. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That means many different ways of using this word. It can be, I gave you a tense here. And I gave you the active, and I also gave you the indicative. And that's 
we'll get into this more in the future, but I want you to start writing these down. And then when we cover this information, it will make sense. And that a verb is written in a tense, which in this case is present. Means I say, not I said, I say. I say, present tense, active voice. That means the subject is doing the saying. And indicative mood, we'll get into moods a little bit later, but it's more of a declarative statement. We get into subjunctive later, which means it might be something like I may say, versus in this case is I say. It's a, de- it's a declaration. I say. There's no question about it. The person who's doing the saying is, is, uh, is, is not a suggestion. It's a declaration. And so that is the most common types of, of verb you'll see. And anytime you see it in a dictionary, it will almost without exception be written in the present active indicative uh, manner with it for the verb. Present active indicative. And you'll see that a lot. PIA, present active indicative. And so that's your Greek verb, lego. So what I'd like you to do now is go ahead and you can come up here. You can use your user cards. If you need new cards, you will need rings and you will need hole punches. But I want you to make a noun ring and I want you to make a verb ring. because We're going to build on that in the future. Your first noun and your first verb. And these, we can, and um, Becky can bounce back to the noun if you need to go ahead and write that down. And she can let it there for a couple, three minutes. But I want you to go ahead and start building your words here. And so... That'll be how we basically close this evening. We'll have just a few more moments, and then you'll be released. But this will be what you do. And every night, we'll build upon this. Every night. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So ha la agas, and then you'll have lego, lego, and those will be the words we're going to cover tonight. Yes, sir. That little that little accent mark, that was part of the Greek language. It's part of their language. No, it is, and it's it's how it, it's the it's the definite article. It is the definite article. When that noun is missing that, that little ha in front of it, it means a word, which is very different than the word. And so that's why that definite article is really so important. It's so important. And it also tells us the gender of that noun, whether it's masculine, feminine, or singular, and that, um, feminine or neuter. And that becomes important because when we get into adjectives later, they play on the gender. And that... That actually helps us when we're looking at the Greek because sometimes the adjective is placed way different in order and then we, because of our language, we bring them back and marry them together. The Greeks don't have a problem with it. We say brand new car or I'm buying a, let's say, I'm buying a red car. Red describes car, it's an adjective. But they may have it as red, I'm buying car. Uh, car. Mm-hmm. We, we will have to impose it. We will have to impose order on the Greek language. We'll have to do that. That's the only way you and I can make sense of it. Otherwise, it's almost nonsensical. And that's where the translation becomes very important and why, as readers of the Word of God, and I take us very much as Bereans who, who spend a lot of time studying it and being sensitive toward it, it's important that we do recognize the challenges with translating it because it helps us be a little more fearful when we look at the Word of God. Because this is how it all plays out. Let's just be honest. We read the word of God and we say this is what it says. And then we add this is what it means. And once I apply meaning, I'm then saying that I understand what it's saying. 
And sometimes when you look at the Greek, you go, oh, wow, what I thought it said wasn't quite what it's saying. And that will help us. That helps every study of the, of the Word of God. It really helps. And, and that's just being human. And that's the fear and trembling we all have when we handle the Word of God. It's very humbling. Very humbling. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I, I took four years of German. Yes, very much. So we're about that time. Does anybody need, we got Lego up there. Anybody, is anybody feeling like they need, do we keep these up on the, on the screen? Or are we pretty close? Pretty, little more time. Okay, Becky will leave this up. We have one minute till the hour, and I want to be very conscientious of time. We have covered what we're going to cover tonight. I hope it didn't feel like a fire hose. It, it will feel less and less like a fire hose each and every week because what I say, I'll have now something we can start to build upon. And then I'll be careful in what we build onto it will be smaller pieces, and then you'll keep going back and reinforcing what you were already becoming familiar with. And so it will get better. It, it just does. But um, I'm not sure we'll stop tonight. I hope this was enjoyable again. Two words tonight, noun and a verb. And next week, we'll probably look, be looking at maybe six words. It'll be very common, and each and every week, we'll look at a passage of Scripture and talk about how the Greek plays out, like we did it tonight in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which are very interesting verses, just very interesting, about the deity of Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Mighty God, thank you again for the day that you've given us and for the time that we've had to get uh, to interact together as believers, Lord, as we wrestle with the word of God with great fear and trembling. It is an awesome word. It was many, many, many lives have been lost and, and have given up, burned at the stake, Lord, to bring us the word of God that we have today. We are very, very fortunate people. Very fortunate. We live an amazing day with more tools and more resources at our disposal than ever before we've seen, at least in humankind. May we not quickly forget that and may we be reminded that those who have been given much much is required and so lord um, quicken our minds this week as we take time again to relook at that alphabet and 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 look at these words and begin to review what we've talked about tonight as building blocks for our future that we can handle the word of god in such a way that would cause jesus to smile for your praise and for your glory in jesus name amen god bless you enjoy the